Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Nudie Brains Podcast. My name is Emily, and I'm the host. I'm super excited to be interviewing my friend Bree today. She's a vertebrate ecologist studying whales and dolphins and how they communicate with each other. It's very interesting and very different than what I do, so I really had a fun time sitting down to talk with her. Um, So I hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast. I apologize in advance. We did record it outside, and at one point, a generator turned on, a dog started barking, so it's a little bit all over the place, but I do hope it's still enjoyable. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review of the podcast, and if you want to follow along for even more information, uh, follow me at Emily, the Marine Biologist on Instagram. Thanks so much. So I'm really excited to be interviewing my friend Brie Janae or Brie today. Hi Brie, thanks for coming on the podcast. Hi Emily, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So let's get right into it. What is your favorite invertebrate? Oh, good question. Um, I would have to say, I was thinking about this because, you know, I'm a vertebrate. Yeah, you don't study it. Yeah, (laughs) but you know what? It's okay because inverts are super important uh, and there are way more of them than what I study. Uh, So I would probably have to say octopuses just because they're so intelligent and so they kind of relate in ways to marine mammals in the sense that they do you know they found that they have incredible memory and they can use tools and they have these amazing abilities to escape from places (laughs) and so from that sense I would I would say they're probably my favorite invertebrate awesome yeah awesome why did you become a scientist in the first place uh, good question. Uh, so, I mean, I've always loved the ocean, which I think is probably what a lot of marine biologists or marine scientists would say. Yeah. Um, but I've always loved the ocean. And I am one of those people that, you know, when I was a little girl, I just, you know, fell in love with not only the marine environment and the ocean, you know, being in the tide pools from an early age, um, but also just, you know, marine mammals really captivated me totally into, you know, dolphins and whales, loved them so much. And so I kind of, you know, that, that love kind of pushed me to get involved with, you know, science summer camp. And then eventually, you know, in high school, it became something that I was really, really focused on and, and just interested in exploring like unanswered questions, I guess. There's so many unanswered questions out there um, in science. And I feel like, you know, I, I want to kind of contribute to that and that knowledge of, you know, what are we seeing out there? And there's just, yeah, I just have so many questions. So it's like, it's my main, uh, my main focus is to really answer the big, the big questions that I have yeah. you know, in, in the field. Yeah. And your research is really cool. You basically are learning how to speak dolphin, which I think is <laughs> awesome. Um, but do you want to explain a little bit what you do, what your research is? Yeah. So I, um, specifically study marine mammal acoustics. And so underwater sound, how um, marine mammals communicate. And so most of my research has focused on odontocetes, or we call them the toothed whales, or what people more commonly know them as, as dolphins. Um, and so I've been more focused on dolphins. And so I'm a master's student at Moss Landing Marine Labs, like yourself, yeah. and uh, I study two species. Um, one is killer whales, uh, and so I study their communication, and their, I have recordings of whales up from the Chukchi Sea, so off of northern Alaska, and so I'm studying their pulsed calls, which is the most common vocalization that they produce, and so I'm studying, you know, what are the characteristics of these calls, and how might, you know, their repertoires up there in the Chukchi Sea differ from other areas, and so this population has never, you know, there never has been a really concrete study on killer whale communication up in the Chukchi Sea. And so I'm really excited to see, 
you know, where my research, you know, leads and what kind of findings we can um, we can find with the, with the research that I'm doing. And then uh, I kind of another kind of part of my research and more of like the fieldwork component of what I've been doing during grad school is looking at Rizzo's dolphin out here in the Monterey Bay. And so I, I take a, you know, a small Zodiac, little orange inflatable boat out there and take a team of volunteers. And we went and uh, we deployed a hydrophone, which is like an underwater microphone. And you could record vocalizations of animals. And we would go and drive around until we were able to find a group of Rizzo's dolphin and then deploy this hydrophone into the water, record, um, look at behavior, take photos to identify individuals. Um, and so then I'm interested in, you know, I've taken these recordings and looking at their vocalizations and what kind of whistles and other types of vocalizations they produce. That's cool. So you're basically making a dolphin podcast. (laughs) Trying to, yeah, kind of trying to, you know, translate, if you will, even though we're we're far from that, but, you know, trying to see, you know, what kind of, you know, communication, you know, are they making down in the water? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. (laughs) And you have a really cool side project or like outreach project that you do related to all this. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Uh, So I started um, an outreach program. It really just stemmed from, you know, through my job. Um, I work in marine science education and I really enjoy interacting with children. And so I was involved in field trips where we were, you know, focused on, you know, other aspects of, you know, the ocean, teaching kids about the sanctuary and kelp forests. But I really, really, you know, wanted to, to kind of focus on my passion. I thought kids would really be interested in learning about marine mammals and sound um, and, you know, the ocean in a different way. And so I decided to start this program called Listen Up, uh, where I go into K through 12 classrooms in the local area. I've started pretty local, keep it manageable <laughs> while I'm in yeah. school. Uh, but and, you know, teaching kids about uh, mammals, we know what is a marine mammal, and then we kind of talk about how sound is the best, you know, form of you know communication for them. You know, it's hard to see mm-hmm. in the marine environment, as you know, and and so sound is a really great tool for them to use. And so I play. We get to listen to lots of different types of marine mammal sounds from different you know marine mammals, ranging from you know bottlenose dolphin to blue whales, uh, fin whales. And so it's kind of a cool opportunity because lots of kids, you know, might know what a whale or dolphin is, but they may not have, you know, heard what they sound like. Yeah. And so it's kind of a... (laughs) There's a dog. (laughs) Mammals! We're talking about mammals! (laughs) Sorry. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah. So it's kind of a fun way. I kind of add in some really like fun activities we do and little games to kind of keep them engaged. And and I always walk away, you know, really excited and enthused and the kids really seem to love it. And so I've really enjoyed kind of that aspect of it. Something aside from just the day-to-day research, which is kind of nice. Yeah. It's always nice to see like when you're deep in the depths of your like terrible (laughs) data that's not working out and then you see a kid's face just like light up because they're like hearing a dolphin for the first time or whatever. It's so cool. It really brings back that joy for science Mm -hmm. for sure Mm -hmm. awesome well moving on what do you think is one important thing that everyone needs to know about our planet or our climate Mm, good question I mean I think many of us are probably you know we know those kind of key buzzwords you know climate change is a big one and I think the biggest thing you know about you know effects of climate change on the environment or the ocean is well one the biggest thing is that anywhere on earth, you know, you're potentially affecting the environment. And so, I mean, even if, you know, if you live coastally, obviously you have a more immediate uh, effect on the ocean, but even like living more inland, you'll have an effect. And those impacts have 
are very far reaching. And mm-hmm. so, you know, even, you know, thinking about species that I study up in Alaska and polar regions, like even, you know, organisms that live up there are still being impacted. So it's not just, you know, in our area, what we're seeing is these warmer waters. I mean, those waters, even on those higher latitudes are being impacted. And so it's very far reaching those effects. And I think people don't necessarily realize that like, you know, it has this kind of radiating effect and, you know, you kind of just see what you want to see or what you kind of hear locally, but you know, you don't think that, Oh, you think, Oh, this iceberg, it's so huge. It's never going to melt away. Right. But with climate change, they're actually showing that that is the case. Yeah. And so, and that mammals are being affected, like, you know, polar bears and other, you know, marine mammal. And so I know I'm very like marine mammal focused. No, that's but, good. That's good. I love having diversity on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but obviously like invertebrates, um, phytoplankton, zooplankton, all types of marine organisms are affected, but you know, it kind of manifests itself sometimes and what people see yeah. are the marine mammals. And that's kind of, you know, tends to be what a lot of people, uh, really connect with. And that's what, you know, you, Kind of like dogs, for example, for terrestrial, you know, mammals, if we're going to, you know, go that route. When you see like a a really, you know, sad looking puppy on the television, you like, you want to donate, right? And you, yeah. your, your heart goes out to those animals. And I think kind of same goes for marine mammals. I think people are really, you know, connect with those animals. And so it's a good way to kind of rope them in and be like, but our climate, so like, these are the animals you might not be seeing anymore, you know, if yeah. our climate really continues to kind of have that that trend that you know where it's going so yeah that's a good point because nobody looks at the news and like sees a spider that's struggling for its life and they're like oh my god poor spider I should go save it yeah so that's a really good point right well I'm like even seeing you know those really scrawny polar bear um, images that were you know out in the media I think people probably really you know looked at those and were like wow this is you know really impacting even animals that you know high up in high latitudes that you don't necessarily see or are exposed to so Yeah, yeah definitely what advice do you have for young people who are trying to make a difference on the planet, like a career choice or something that they can do, something they can talk to their parents about? Mm-hmm. Uh, good question. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, with this generation, I think we're beginning to really kind of see the importance at an early age. I mean, even when I go into classes and we talk about things like you know, plastic pollution and things that are harming the environment. The kids know. A lot of the kids have this background and they're kind of growing up in this environment that requires them to really like see this. And so I think now people will be more informed than maybe, you know, previous generations about, you know, what's going on. Um, But I always ask like, you know, yeah, what can you do? And kids like have lots of, you know, ideas and and I kind of sometimes have to kind of push it a little But you know, people, you know, using reusable bags, obviously like you know, plastics and plastic pollution is a big deal. Um, and kind of, you know, starting young with some of, you know, the things that you just do in your daily life, but then if, you know, making an impact, if you're interested in the sciences, I think really, uh, getting involved in maybe summer camps, internships, when you get a little bit older, volunteering and kind Mm -hmm. of seeing if it's really right for you. Um, I know I was involved in so many, internship and I was lucky enough to have so many cool internship opportunities to kind of give me an idea of, you know, is this the right, is this the right direction I want to go? Am I really interested in marine science? And I found that I was. And so I kind of pursued that path and continued to, to then go on to, you know, more schooling. Cause unfortunately <laughs> if you want to be a scientist, right. I mean, more schooling is really important. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, there are other ways you can also kind of incorporate science in your life with, um, you know, marine science education. If you're more of kind of the educator, you can kind of go that route. Or um, I think also too in this generation, like social media 
has been a very, very powerful tool and kind of yeah. connecting people. And you can use, you know, science in that route as well, which you're doing, yeah. Emily, which is awesome. <laughs> I think that's so cool. Um, Great. Yeah. Cool. Um, what is one thing that you would say to climate change deniers? Like if you came face to face with one on the street, what would you say? <laughs> uh Probably do your research. Um, I think a lot of times we hear things in the media and, you know, we kind of, and depending on what media you're listening to or what news station, um, you can kind of get, you know, a certain view. And I think kind of, if you can, like kind of look into the literature and dive a little bit deeper or, uh, I know I do this with politics too. I'm so bad. Like I never know what's going on in politics, which partly by choice right now, but, yeah. <laughs> but like, so I'm so bad about it. But if I actually, you know, if I did the research, then I'd have a more informed, you know, vote for example. And I think mm-hmm. the same can be said for like climate change. Like if you are denying climate change, like, okay, what are, you know, what are those reasons? And are there stuff out there that refutes that? And, you know, just looking at the science, because I, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but I think the science is just so clear yeah. that climate change is a thing. Uh, but it's hard when you have people that have very strong views, because um, I myself have a strong view. So kind of trying to balance that and communicating an effective way, you're not just getting into this like really heated like <laughs> argument. Screaming match. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, that's really good advice. Thank you. Yeah. And if people wanted to get in contact with you or book a listen up visit for their classroom, what would be a good way for them to do that? Yeah, um, definitely emailing me um, would be great as far as, you know, the listen up if you're interested in scheduling a program. Um, so yeah, my email is bmadrigal, uh, B-M-A-D-R-I-G-A-L at M-L-M-L dot calstate.edu. Um, so emailing me is a great way to get in contact about listenups. Perfect. And do you have a social media platform or anything that you'd like to share? Yes, I do have a Twitter. Um, I do have to say that I need to be a little bit more diligent about posting on it, but I do have a few things about, you know, my Rizzo's research on there. Um, so it's my Twitter uh, is at Brigenay. And so I have a fairly unique name. So hopefully you can find it. It's B-R-I-J-O-N-N-A-Y. Perfect. Awesome. Well, last but certainly not least, um, do you have an obscure fact or pun about invertebrates for us? Ooh. Okay. I do have a fact and it kind of ties into marine mammals because I had to just kind of with the theme of today. (laughs) I'm so happy that you have me on even though I'm, you know, technically study invertebrates. So as some people might know, uh, barnacles, which are an invertebrate, uh, can grow on whale skin. And so whales, oftentimes, you know, a species that we know have lots of barnacles on them are gray whales, for example. And so mm-hmm. these barnacles will grow on the skin and pretty much just live on a whale for their entire lives. And so a fun fact that I think is so interesting about it is that one humpback whale can have, they've recorded to have about a thousand pounds of barnacle on one whale. And so whales, you know, they're, they're pretty large, you know, maybe we're talking, you know, 80,000 pounds ish potentially. And so if you think about, you know, 1,000 pounds, it's probably not, you know, that much. But in this game of things, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of just barnacle mass on a whale that can grow. And so I thought that's kind of interesting. And it kind oh, of ties man. in. And they have this, you know, symbiotic relationship, which is kind of cool. But an interesting fact that kind of ties in inverts and inverts. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on my podcast today, Brie. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you so much. Emily. Thank you.